Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hello, this is Ruben Dua and I'm Rob Bott. From Dub, this is the Connection Loop podcast, and we are doing a slightly different format here because we've got the legendary, the GOAT, Rob Botts here with us. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> so I'm so psyched to announce our guest, Dave Jennings. Uh, listen, this is really important for you guys to check out this episode because we're going to talk about business process. We're going to talk about systems. We're going to talk about buying and selling businesses. And we're going to talk about effectively how to scale your business, which I think is the most important thing in business. So Dave, if you could please just start with a short bio on yourself and let's get into this. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Um, I got started in business uh, straight out of school and I kind of wanted to take over the world like a lot of young entrepreneurs, um, tried many different things, uh, importing products. Uh, I even sold the MCG, which is a, a sporting ground here in Australia. That's a bit nice. of a fun story. Yeah, I know about um, that. And uh, then I actually got stuck in my last business, a digital agency business for well over 10 years. And that's probably what I was most well known for. And I kind of went through that process of removing myself. I kind of had a lot, lot of baggage with that business, thinking uh, the, the business just centered around me. And, and when we found out we were pregnant, that's when I realized, hey, I don't want to be that dad who's always too busy, who's got too many things on. I need to figure out how to really remove myself from the day-to-day operations. And that really was what ended up birthing systemology. Mm. Well, my first question for you is, when do you, what is the realization of I am not scaling my business and my business is highly dependent on me and the whole business is dependent on me and the operations are dependent on me. And if I somehow go away for a short or long or an indefinite amount of time, how does this business continue to operate? And how do I frankly provide for my family and keep the team alive? What, what is the realization point that it's, you're just doing too much? Mm. I think everybody's a little bit different. A lot of business owners, they kind of intuitively know this. And uh, if you're in that place, maybe you've been trying to get out of the day-to-day operations for some time and you just kind of feel like uh, you're doing the same thing day in and day out. You're solving the same problems for staff and clients uh, and it just feels a little bit like you're on a treadmill and you've grown up to a certain level and then it's almost like you just hit this glass ceiling and you kind of start moving sideways for quite a long time. That's really when the entrepreneurial life force starts to get drained from you. A lot of business owners, you're excited about new things and solving new challenges. But when you kind of get stuck in this rhythm of the day-to-day operations, that's really when, you know, oftentimes a lot of business owners start to lose passion in their business. Dave, when did you realize you had that entrepreneurial juice inside of you? Was it something that was always there or was it more of like a, um, you were one way and then, you know, you got older, you start doing your stuff and you realize, oh man, there's got to be a better way. Or did you always kind of have that feeling that you had that independent kind of side to you? Yeah. My dad has always started different businesses and I think it kind of came from seeing the work that he had done. Uh, and, uh, you know, for him, oftentimes, Um, money was a struggle at home for him as he's running some different things. So it was really like a, um, 
a moving away strategy where I was kind of like, hey, I, I don't want to grow up like this. So uh, I, I kind of took the parts that I really liked, figured out the bits that I felt were missing. Uh, and as soon as I left school, it was like, this is just what I want to do. I don't want to go to university. I want to get out there, get stuck into business and really get down to work. You want to get out there and get into the mix. That's it. Yeah. I kind of felt like uni and stuff was just a delaying tactic for, for really getting out there and getting into business. Okay. So here's one for you is the, the path of the entrepreneur is, is, is a, is a nonlinear path. And we sort of never know what we're going to get into. You know, an opportunity arises, we pursue it and then good things happen or bad things happen. And then we pivot and then eventually we persevere and hopefully succeed. Um, what has been your journey in terms of uh, finding your your opportunity, what you want to pursue? I mean, you've had some very mm -hmm. interesting exits, in fact. Could you could you tell us about that as well in this in this process? Yeah, definitely. I definitely, as I've kind of discovered more and more about this idea of business systems and I've headed down that rabbit hole, you're right. I kind of have started to realize that part of what an entrepreneur brings is the ability to spot those opportunities. And then really what you need is space to then be able to follow those. Oftentimes, a lot of business owners, they have great opportunities that fall into their lap, or maybe they just don't see them because they're head down, stuck in the business. But these opportunities are flying past all the time. And what business systems allow you to do is create enough space because you can step away from the day-to-day -day operations to really then be able to take advantage of those opportunities. Probably one of the biggest opportunities that fell into my lap. So it was towards the end of the digital agency where I had that realization. We found out we were pregnant. I started to kind of remove myself from the operations. I hired a, a CEO, kind of groomed her into that position as I stepped out. And I ended up taking a year off uh, with our firstborn. And in that time, it was almost like the university just sort of opened up and delivered this opportunity straight into my lap. I get a, a message uh, completely out of the blue in my inbox uh, saying, uh, call me. And the name underneath it was Luz Delia Gerber. Now, I didn't know Luz Delia, but I knew the surname Gerber. Uh, and I ended up going, right, well, I'm going to follow this rabbit hole. I had the space to do it. And I picked up the phone and I called Luz Delia and said, hey, how can I help? And then she said, oh, I happen to be uh, following along with your last book launch. I, I wrote a book called Authority Content and I saw the way that you launched it. And I was just wondering if you can help my husband launch the final book in his series. And she said, well, my husband is Michael E. Gerber, the author of The E-Myth. And he was re releasing this final book called Beyond the E-Myth. And all of the other books had gone through HarperCollins. And this last book, they wanted to maintain and control the rights to that book. So they said, we're going to self-publish and, and launch it. And they were looking for someone to help launch that book. Now, I ran this digital agency. I didn't do book launches. That wasn't my thing. She just happened to see what I did and said, oh, can you now do this for Michael? And then, you know, without hesitation, I jumped on it. It was a good four months, solid work. I had to completely, you know, not be involved with my other business and went all in. And it was such a, a magnificent opportunity to work closely with Michael Gerber. For me, it's kind of like, he's like the Oprah, Oprah in the, our industry as far as like the, the he is the go-to guy when it comes to business systems. He's the GOAT. He's uh, one of the originals. And to be able to just buy 
a, a fortuitous, complete cold email out of the blue and had this opportunity fall in my lap. And then I had to run with this for four months and I flew over to the States and I got to work closely and it finished off. Um, he ran a, a big uh, event called the Dreaming Room. And then uh, on the one of the last days, uh, what ended up happening is they were meant to have this mastermind after it in his presidential suite. Um, and it was to talk about the future direction of the E-Myth. And Luz Delia couldn't find, uh, initially was, she was supposed to have Tony Robbins come and MC the event and it didn't end up happening. And she was looking to find an MC. So at the 11th hour, I said, look, if you need anyone and you can't find anyone, look, I'd be happy to do it. And I stuck my hand up for it. And then I ended up leading this little mastermind group to talk about the future of E-Myth. And this came out of the blue of four months earlier, I had no contact with any of the Gerbers. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know the work that I was doing with the systems and the processes. And it was this ultimate opportunity that fell in my lap. And it crescendoed with Luz Delia Gerber saying, do you want to run the E-Myth companies? And there was no way that I was going to be able to move to the States to make that happen. My, my wife is very much entrenched here in Melbourne. So I had to decline the offer. Um, but it was such a, a magical journey that um, it just made me realize, again, these opportunities are really what it's all about. And a lot of business owners, if you said, hey, the best opportunity in the world might land in your lap, um, would you have the space to take it? Most business owners would just be too caught up in their business to be able to follow that. So I know I didn't quite hit on the, the selling the business. That kind of happened shortly after that. Um, the digital agency, Melissa, ran it for a few years and... Um, she ended up having to move back to the States. Uh, she was based here in Melbourne, but she had some family stuff she had to attend to. And then I was stuck with that decision. Well, what do I do? And then we decided to sell that business, the digital agency. Uh, and I kind of feel, again, business systems, if I didn't have the business systems in place, it wouldn't have been a saleable asset. I would have got pulled back into the operations and I would have had to have kind of got back on the tools. Mm -hmm. um, so it was... Again, at all points, just it keeps coming back to business systems for me. And, and that's really where, where the passion has come from. Okay, so let's let's unpack let's unpack the idea of a business system or a body of business systems. You know, the title of this podcast is Scaling Your Business with Proven Systems. Right. So take us through uh, what type of systems we should be looking at for our business. What and, and if you could just please also provide a priority list because chances are every aspect of your business has been systematized. I, I am, I'm certain of that. Um, but at some point we have to figure out, you know, what do we need to prioritize because there's just so many things that we can do. So we don't want to get overwhelmed. So guide us yeah. through that, please. Yeah. So the, the first step in systemology is really to answer that question. Which systems do we start with first? And I've got a little exercise. I mean, you don't even need to get the book to do it. You just get an A4 bit of paper and in the top left-hand corner, you write out who is your target audience and what is the primary product or service that you sell to them. And then you just map the linear journey that that prospect goes through and just capture what you're currently doing, not what you would like to be doing. And initially, keep it very high level. That's why we just put it on one page. But you think about how do you grab your target audience's attention? How do you handle the incoming inquiry? How do you sell them? How do you issue out your invoice or take that money? How do you then onboard them? How do you then deliver the core product or service? And how do you get them to come back? You first just match that at a very high level to your 
target audience and that primary product or service. And just by doing that, you kind of narrow the scope. Because if you can deliver that without key person dependency, then the business can make money without you. And most problems in business can be solved if you've got cash flow and the business is making money. Now, you can go a step further and you look at what we call the critical client flow. That's what that is. And you go, where in this diagram or this flow chart is the pain? Where is something that you maybe as a business owner that you know you actively avoid or that if you got 10 times as many clients, you know that the onboarding or the delivery would fall over? You, you focus in on where the pain is and you start systemizing that piece first. So we that's the critical client flow. And as you grow and scale, though, the ultimate goal of what we talk about is reaching minimum viable systems. Uh, you know, we apply the 80-20 rule. What is the minimum number of systems inside your business that deliver the bulk of the result? Uh, and we want to reach that level, uh, you, you know, from sales to marketing to finance systems to management systems. And every business is a little bit different. Um, but once you kind of reach that minimum viable systems, that's really the turning point. And so, so this is the minimum viable systems is basically the answer to how to not how to avoid over systematizing your business or get into you know system hell where all you're doing is creating systems and everything else stops. Um, how can we avoid? Uh, how can we make sure that we stay on the path and stay lean and simple? Mm. There's a few things. One thing I often say is don't systemize like McDonald's. A lot of business owners, when they think about systemizing, they think, oh, I should systemize like McDonald's. They're the most systemized business known to man. And the opposite is actually true because for one, they run a hamburger business. You probably don't run a hamburger business. Two, they're taking uh, unskilled labor, 15-year-old kids and teaching them how to flip hamburgers. Chances are you're recruiting intelligent people to do some high-level tasks. So we don't need to tell them how to suck eggs. So this whole idea, not only that, actually, they've been systemizing for 60 years. So to try and compete at their level when they've been doing this for 60 years and you're just getting started, um, that isn't helpful. So your whole idea there of keeping it simple is essential. And a lot of the business owners typically as well, they aren't the best people to be doing the documentation. So we always talk about this idea of uh, identifying, identifying what we call a systems champion. And that's someone in the organization who this becomes their responsibility. They keep it front and center and they build up evidence in the organization that you are a systems driven company. Because as you start this cultural change, we just need to plant little bits of evidence. And maybe that's mentioning it in a team meeting. Maybe that's putting yellow sticky notes everywhere. Maybe it's getting mouse pads for the team that says, am I going to do this again? Create a system. Like <laughs> they, they do a whole range of things just to plant this evidence to get you on the right track. And it's probably about too, right? It's probably about creating a mindset. I would imagine once you start systematizing, you must, it must just start going from whatever you're working on in the system within the business to actually flowing to the biology of the actual person where you start yes. thinking in terms of systems. And it's almost yeah. like it becomes second nature, I would imagine, once, it, once someone starts really applying it within their team. The, the point at which you know you've made it and speaks exactly to what you're saying is when the team says, this is how we do things here. And I remember I was working with a, a guy called Dave Porter and he runs a company called Portavac. They clean roofing gutters and things like that and his standard default practice when something goes wrong was he would yell at the staff and he would say we need to fix this or that and something 
changed in him after he read Systemology and we did some work together where the trucks were getting returned at the end of the day and they were coming back, no fuel, different supplies were missing, they were dirty and people were dropping off the keys. And his normal response would have been to bring everybody in, yell at the staff, tell them this isn't good enough, they need to be do better. But something changed in his brain where he then said, well, let's create a checklist that when you return the truck, you have to go through this 10-point checklist before you can leave the keys. And it was to refill the truck, make sure that it's ready to go for tomorrow. And that was a fundamental change where he went to work on the system as opposed to looking at, you know, the issues and then yelling at the team and trying to go to the root cause. Mm. So one of the things that we, we should spend some time on is the idea of scaling, right? How do we create systems that scale? Because, you know, I've noticed, I've, I've actually worked with, I remember working with someone and they were expert, absolute expert at creating processes and systems for every single activity that we did. The problem was this, the problem was that there was such a focus spent on the system and the process that the, the marketing stopped, the sales stopped, the outreach stopped. And as a result, we systematized everything, but we didn't see growth. And ultimately yeah. we had to kind of break out a lot of this, break out a lot of the things that we had built. So um, talk to us a little about, about system, systematology for scaling. Yeah. So I think you're right. There's this real balance, especially when you're a small business, because a lot of the systems and processes that you put in place, it's about building out capacity and that takes time and energy to build out those systems and they can then draw away from other activities. So thinking about uh, just because something doesn't get systemized doesn't mean it's going to magically stop happening in the business. So we're looking for the most important things that will have the biggest impact. And we also think about knowledge transfer. So um, when you've got new team members that are coming on that you're growing and scaling, you, you need to train them up and you need to be able to delegate higher uh, or, or delegate down uh, lower uh, skilled tasks to to uh, less skilled team members to free up your highest value tasks uh, or your highest value team members to work on those highest value tasks. That's the key. We always want to be thinking about delegating down. So to do that, we need to identify well which are the systems and the processes and the activities that are happening in the business that are required for the day-to-day -day, but aren't necessarily things that need to be innovated all the time or thought about or that would be the best use of your highest um, value team members. So that's probably, once you get your head around that, it's about delegating down to free up those best team members to work on things that don't have systems because your highest skilled team members will be solving the challenges where they're paving a, a new road and, and they need to be figuring things out whether it's you as the business owner or your key leadership team members, it's all the same. Your best skilled team members are often the busiest and we need to do our best to free up the space for them to work on those high value tasks. Mm. So it's like the system really understanding what the priorities are and making yeah. it efficient and understandable and creating that creative space really for those talented individuals in those areas to shine and do what they do best probably. Yeah. Michael Gerber um, 
was sharing to me, like he comes back to this idea that um, every business is a school. And the mm. idea is you're taking these students, new team members, and you're wanting to get them trained up in your business school to make them as productive as possible in the shortest amount of time. So you need to think about how do you induct someone into your way of doing things and how do you get them working on tasks that add value that aren't, aren't busy work and make sure that uh, that process is smooth. So I think once you kind of add that into the mix, it's a, just a good way to think of it. Nice. Okay, so how have you been able to? So it seems like uh, Michael Gerber is a little, somewhat of a, a mentor for you, um, someone that uh, you know you called him. How did how did you describe him for the systems world? He's the the goat. He's the goat, one of the, right? the originals. So that's that's a big that's a big title. So um, you know what what is it that we can learn from his text from on on just the e myth? Guide us yeah. through that a little bit if we're not familiar with that text. Yeah, so the E-Myth does a great case or a great job for building the case of why systems. So you read the E-Myth and then you get it. I kind of feel like systemology really extends Michael's work and then thinks about the implementation, which is how do you actually do it? Step one, step two, step three. System Systemology, it gives you the how-to. E-Myth tells you the why. Now, when I sent michael a copy of systemology because he read it the pre-release version he ended up actually writing the forward to the book and one little thing that he told me stuck in my head uh, is he said don't let the business owner off the hook because when i wrote systemology i kind of wrote it saying well how do we get the business owner out of the equation as quick as possible how do we get our systems champion trained up and get them doing the documentation and those sorts of things. And Michael said, uh, the business owner still needs to lead this. The business owner needs to get bitten by the bug, realize that systems and processes are essential for growing and scaling companies, and that they need to lead by example. That doesn't mean that they document everything down to the nth level and do things maybe that you know aren't uh, in their their genius but they do need to show the team that this is how we do things here help develop those processes where whether or not they're doing the documentation or not <clears throat> so i think yeah a lot of the e-myth work for me is really building the case for the why and i think a lot of business owners now have come to the conclusion it's very rare that i will have a discussion with a business owner where they will say business systems aren't important they might have some baggage around systems. They might go, you can't systemize my business because it's too creative or my team's not going to follow the process anyway. Like there, there might be some baggage that we need to address, but oftentimes they will still go, you know what? I know systems and processes intuitively is a key part for that growth and scale. Very good. Okay. So now uh, tell us, give us your top, three tips right now on how we can get more scale for our business. What is it that we can prioritize tomorrow um, to systematize, create process for, and, and ultimately expand? Yeah. I, I think mapping out your critical client flow and then thinking about where the pain is inside that, then capture only what you're currently doing, not what you would like to be doing. And that's a really big distinction because a lot of people, they try and over-engineer things when 
oftentimes the biggest win, like small business, they struggle with consistency. And oftentimes just bringing everybody up to that standard. Hey, Jenny answers the phone and she does a really good job and she says this, this, and this. Great. Well, now let's capture that and bring everybody up to that standard. Tremendous wins can be gained just by having the consistency. So I think uh, that's a great place to think about. Another one you might think about is as you identify your systems champion or someone who might take that responsibility, if you work with them to develop their system for creating systems, that your busiest team members uh, oftentimes are so busy that if you say to them, hey, I want you to document your process, they'll go, great, I'll put it on the to-do list. And it's always important. It's never urgent and they never get to it. So anything that we can do to make that process of pulling the IP out of their head, capturing it, and then being able to transfer that to other team members is a huge win. So you want to make that whole process as slippery as possible. How do we make it easy to record what someone is doing? How can that then be passed to another team member, that systems champion who watches the video, pulls out the key steps, creates version number one, and goes back to that knowledgeable worker and says, great, well, can you review this now? Is there any changes that I need to make? Uh, by by going through that process and making that really slick, uh, you, you make it much easier to systemize the business. Um, you want to get to the point where you as the business owner can just make a quick loom, slack it to someone, and then you're done. Or someone can clip a little bit out of a team meeting where you're doing a teaching anyway, and rather than it just being part of a Zoom meeting and that that bit is lost, well, how do we then take that repurpose that. And then that might become version number one. That's the other thing. Systems and processes evolve over time. So it's just about getting from zero to one and then building up a culture of tweaking and changing and consistently improving those systems. Well, it's also about buying in, you know, what you're talking about is buying in as a team, buying in as team members in a company, because if you think from a sports perspective, you could have two coaches that give the same message but what is that coach saying and what is the social proof behind that coach with their background? If players on a team see a play and a strategy work that makes everyone do so much better, then there's buy-in. So I think with yeah. systemizing, like you're talking about, once the team members see it working, then it becomes easier to kind of rise through the ranks and say, this is what's going to happen, I would imagine. You hit the nail on the head and it's probably one of the biggest challenges people have when it comes to systemizing, especially if they've got a small team, is getting them on board. Oftentimes when people introduce systems as a business owner, they talk about it in terms of the benefit to the business or in benefit, you know, the team members thinking, oh, is this so you can go away on holidays or is this so you can replace me? Or like there's this stuff that goes on. When you introduce change, you want the team member to see how it benefits them. That systems enables them to take a holiday and can ensure that you're not calling them every second moment going, oh, where is this client up to? Oh, can you, oh, look, I know you're on holidays, but do you mind if you just do that transfer for me or whatever it might be? Helping the team member to know that systems will make them more efficient and enable other team members to step in. And uh, it helps them move up in the organization, letting team members know that, uh, by delegating down and systemizing what you're doing, that doesn't mean you're less valuable. That means you're more valuable because now you've created space to work on higher quality problems. 
you want a culture of people trying to delegate down to less skilled, lower cost labor to free them up to work on those high value tasks. Mm. So yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And that's probably where I do most of my work these days is trying to uh, think about ideas around how do we build systems culture? How do we get the team on board? Um, because all of that resistance happens up front with your existing team. All of the benefits that come from systemization happen after you get over that hump. And a lot of people just give up too early because they try it. The team pushes back. Oh, I tried that. Didn't work for me. My team doesn't follow process and they don't stick with it. But all of the benefit comes over that hump. So that's really what I think about is, you know, how do we uh, make sure someone sticks with it and how do we get the team involved to hopefully shorten that cycle to reach? This is how we do things here. Awesome. So you're a business owner. You're an author. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they grab a copy of your book? Where can they connect with you on social channels? Yeah, best place is grab a copy of the the book from, uh, if you just go to Amazon, if you're listening to this, you're probably an audio person. So there is the audio version. Michael actually does the uh, the forward himself as well. Uh, so that's just over at Audible and it's Systemology, or you can go to systemology.com and then that will link through to the YouTube and Twitter and, and our other social channels as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dave. Really appreciate your time. Uh, can you leave us with one final uh, piece of wisdom. Yeah. Look, if you have thought about systemizing or maybe you've tried and failed in the past, I'm hoping that what we've done today today is light that fire in you mm. to go, maybe there's a better way. Maybe I can give this a go. Maybe like this can work for you. I think a lot of people think that uh, they're not a systems person, so they don't pursue it. But just because you might not see yourself as a systems person, doesn't mean you can't own a systems-driven business. The truth is um, I don't like, I'm the systems guy and I don't like writing systems and processes. That's the, the dirty little secret of systemology is I don't write the systems and the processes and that's okay. As a business owner, you want to fall in love with the result of the business systems. Mm. And I have seen businesses with systems. I've seen them without systems. It's a night and day difference. And to grow and scale, you need to do this. So fall in love with that and then find the team members around you to complement the bits that you don't like. There it is. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate your time, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure. That was, that was a masterclass in explaining how important systems are. We really appreciate it. That's right. And I, th I think your mouse pad is, is awesome. Could you show that again? Yeah, I'll that's just... right. Yeah. There we go. So are the mouse pad says, am I going to do this again? create a system. So just ask yourself that. And if you need some support, go grab the book systemology um, from Dave. Thank you so much, Dave. Appreciate you. Pleasure. Thanks for having us guys. Thank you so much for joining this episode of the connection loop podcast with David Jennings. David, thank you so much for having you and we will see you at the next one.